What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Two Stripes Podcast, the podcast for you, the college football fan. My name is Colton Denning. I am your host coming to you on Tuesday, March 28, 2017 from a rainy, ugly Boulder, Colorado. It doesn't feel like spring out here, but I guess at least it's not snowing. At least right now it isn't. That's besides the point, though. I'm going to keep this episode's intro short and sweet because I have a special guest joining the show. Earlier today, I was joined by the voice of UTSA Roadrunners football, Andy Everett, to talk 2017 Roadrunners football and how much this program has grown since essentially being a startup six years ago. It's been really fascinating to watch a team that didn't start in FCS, didn't get any prior experience at another level of college football, just immediately started at the Division I level, and now coming off their first bowl game in program history with a very good young head coach in Frank Wilson, and trying to build on that heading into the 2017 season. So a lot of good nuggets and insights dropped by Andy about the UTSA program and where it stands, so I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So we might as well get right into it. Here is Andy Everett talking all things UTSA football. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Stripes podcast. We have a very special guest today joining me right now on the Two Stripes podcast is the voice of Roadrunners football, also of Roadrunners men's basketball. You can also catch him on the golf show with Andy Everett every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock on Ticket 760 and Ticket760.com. His name is Andy Everett. Andy, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining the show as well. Doing good, doing well. Ready for football to start in about 160 days or so. Yeah, it seems like it's it's a while away for UTSA. Spring game, April 15th, about two and a half weeks away that Friday. Before we get into the 2017 team, I want to get your perspective on kind of what it's been like chronicling this program from the start because you look around college football and there's a lot of new group of five teams in the Division One FBS level. But you've gotten a chance to see this program, UTSA, kind of from the basically from the beginning, from the blueprints, for lack of a better term, and kind of see what it's like to see a football program being born and not even started Division Two, just right from Division One with Larry Coker. What's that kind of been like? And take take me through that process of watching this program grow. Well, the uh, news came down in December of 2008 that the Board of Regents would allow UTSA to play. Uh, Division One football. That was the first hurdle. And then it was trying to determine what level of football they would play and what coach they would get. And in uh, January of 2009, Athletic Director Lynn Hickey got a, a note on her desk that there was a coach that was interested in coaching the team by the name of Larry Coker. And she only knew of one and could not fathom why somebody that had just won a national championship at Miami would want to come coach a startup program, but he did because he wanted to get back in the game and was having a hard time doing that. And he was the perfect coach for the team at the perfect time because it a gave them credibility. And it also started the wave of getting out of the South and conference, getting into the WAC and eventually into conference USA, because I don't know that anybody else had the ideas on how to do that and how to schedule with that. Um, Larry had contacts with schools like Oklahoma State and Kansas State and Arizona and Arizona State and so on to put those teams on the schedule early and convince those coaches to play at least one game in San Antonio. 
And he didn't have to convince too hard because this is an area that all of those coaches like to recruit too. So he made it good. It was good. Hey, we'll go to your place twice and you can pay us whatever you pay teams to come there. But we really need you to come here to kind of help us stabilize and, and legitimize this program. And so that was step one, and that's what they were able to do and get the program on the map and to go Division One and be FBS uh, in the second year. And in 2013, they won, or 12, they won eight games, and 13, they won seven. And then the injury bug kind of started to hit the team in 14 and 15. They had a lot of potential to start the 2014 uh, season. They won the first game of the year in Houston. And then the injury started happening to places where they did not have a lot of depth, especially at quarterback. And it kind of went down there, uh, downhill from there. They had a, a player that they thought that would be the heir apparent to the starting job in his second or third season. He transferred to Stephen F. Austin to play with his uh, dad, who had just become the coach. Uh, they had another quarterback that was uh, a state champion at the 3A level in Texas. He ended up with multiple concussions and had to quit football. And so the last uh, up until last year, they really struggled with the quarterback spot staying healthy. And then um, as much as Larry uh, Coker uh, created the stability and legitimization of the program, Frank Wilson's taken it to another level. Uh, the recruiting classes that he's had the last two years are players Larry never recruited at that level of play. Uh, he's going into, into homes where uh, FBS Division I Power Five teams want players and convincing them to come to San Antonio where they'll have a easier chance to start sooner than they would elsewhere. And I think that's where the optimism of this team is, uh, is that he is recruiting players that could play at Texas or Texas A&M or in some of the SEC schools, maybe not as freshmen, but certainly as redshirt sophomores or juniors and giving those players an opportunity to play right away. And I think that's why everybody's so excited about the possibilities of what lies ahead in 2017. On the subject of Frank Wilson, he had an excellent reputation in the SEC under Ed Orr's run and then at, at LSU as a recruiter and then at the high school level in Louisiana as well. What sort of energy does he bring to the program? Not that Larry Coker didn't, but just that, that you've seen in, in your years covering sports and football in general. What does he bring that's really unique and that allows him to connect to kids and, and kind of get those visits like you're talking about that other group of five schools aren't getting, but he's getting visits with schools who are being recruited by Power Five teams. I think Larry was more of the CEO of the team. Uh, he was in on all the meetings, all the defensive and offensive meetings, but he let everybody do their thing. And not that Frank doesn't. He has a great coaching staff and he lets them do all that, but he is very active in, uh, in, in the meetings and the practices and the preparation for this team. And I, I think the one thing that is really cool about him is that when he recruits, he gets very involved with the players' families and talks to them about this is a, a decision that your son's making, but it's also a decision that your family is making. And it's one that you're going to live with not only for the next four years or five of your college career, but your life choices. There's a good chance you may meet the person you're going to marry at college. There's a good chance that you're going to get, uh, get the degree that is going to take you further into life in whatever uh, aspect that you decide to do from a career standpoint if it's not in football. Uh, all of those things are very important, and I really think he relates to players who want a, a father figure, even if they have a very strong father figure at home. He's very, uh, very much hands-on with all the players, and they just love playing for him. 
and he's um, he's been at LSU for a number of years. He's been in the Southeast Conference. He has won games. Uh, they they believe in the agenda that he has. He's telling all these players, you're going to come to school, you're going to get a degree, and if you're good enough to play as a freshman, you're going to play right away. I want the best players on the field, and if it happens to be a younger player, I'm not going to put a senior ahead of you if you're better than that player. And I, I think he's he's able to utilize the contacts he had when he was recruiting for LSU and get a lot of those players that for a lack of, for that school or any other school that they would be considering, they may not get to play right away, but they're going to have that opportunity at UTSA. It really sounds like Coach Wilson was kind of able to establish a culture in year one when he first arrived, and UTSA, of course, goes to their first bowl game last season. How much of a surprise was it to people in San Antonio that he was able to double the win total and get the program to its first bowl in 2016? Well, I think he got lucky in one one aspect is there, there was no injuries at quarterback. And, and and I think any coach that goes through a season with their quarterback healthy, uh, that they're they're going to be good. And, and Dalton Sturm was that. And Jared Johnson was a very adequate backup as a graduate student uh, for, for one year here. And, and uh, Jared was at Sam Houston. And had some injuries in the summer camp, the fall camp last year, that really prevented him from challenging for the starting job. But there were times where he was the ultimate relief pitcher, and when Dalton would struggle, they'd bring him in and he'd pick up the slack. He did a great job in the Texas A&M game and the Charlotte game at the end of the year. Dalton threw for 270 yards in the first half and really struggled in the third quarter. And when Charlotte was trying to make a little bit of a comeback. They put Jared in, and he finished them off. So it was great to have that closer, if you will, at times, like baseball teams have with with relief pitchers. Uh, that's going to be the big key going forward with this team is how is not how well Dalton plays next year, because uh, I think he's going to be a, have a great senior year if he stays healthy. But who backs him up? Because right now you've got players who have never played before on the roster in the backup role. On the subject of quarterback and on offense, offensive coordinator Frank Scalfo has has quite the resume with college quarterbacks. You look, he's worked with Patrick Ramsey, J.P. Losman, Sean King at Tulane, Nick Foles and Matt Scott at Arizona. Those are some very successful college quarterbacks. And you mentioned that you think Dalton Sturm is going to be able to continue that improvement in 2017. What can we expect from him in this passing offense as we move closer to the 2017 season? Well, Dalton's the ultimate story uh, for a college athlete, a student athlete. He came here as a walk-on four years ago uh, from a small 3A or 4A school in Goliad, Texas. And there was little chance that he was ever going to see the light of day on a college Division I football uh, uh, roster or um, any more than just running the scout team. But back in his freshman year, he had to come in and play because they were out of quarterbacks. And I talked about all the injuries that took place that year. They basically were down to nobody that could play that was either eligible from a concussion protocol standpoint uh, or other injury standpoint. So he was rushed into play, and he got his first action at Middleton at um, Western Kentucky in 2014, and and he had no chance. He was he was still a a four A small school college quarterback playing big time football. And his reads were off, his passes were off, but he did late in the game after he settled down kind of give us a glimpse of something when he hit a nice long pass down the right sideline for about 60 yards. And you could see the potential right there that was, was good in, in his, um, in, in his skill set. His sophomore year, two years ago, 
he was again thrust into action after injuries to Blake Bogenschutz and to a couple others that were uh, on campus. And he took a pounding because the offensive line wasn't very deep and it was it, it, it was having health issues. But this past year, he really settled in for the most part to make himself a the leader of the team and then to be able to throw uh, accurate passes most of the time. And right now, there is nobody behind him except a freshman that uh, played uh, high school football this past year that's already on campus and a couple of players that have redshirted one year and were eligible last year but never have taken a snap. So I know there's some concern as to what happens if Dalton can't play every snap. And typically in college football, you're you're very, very lucky if your quarterback plays the entire year. So that's one thing between now and August that will have to be addressed is uh, who's going to be the backup and how much confidence will everybody have if that backup has to play. Well, and it looks like for right now, injuries aside, spring injuries, attrition, all the stuff that usually happens college football offseason, as of right now, Sturm and whoever backs him up have their top four targets back at wide receiver. So who are some of the names that you think may step up this season and kind of take that offense to the next level at wide receiver? Is it a guy like Josh Stewart or Kerry Thomas Jr.? Are there some other unheralded names out there that are ready to make that leap from spring ball up into the 2017 season? Yeah, they've got those two that you mentioned. And Josh, especially last year, was terrific. Uh, he was he was a guy, another guy that wasn't expected to play a lot, and all of a sudden a bunch of injuries happen, and he's starting, and he made the most of it. So he's going to be, I think, have a terrific year. They've got a couple of redshirt players uh, in Jesse Aboise and a couple other guys. Uh, they got a, a freshman that will come in from the Metroplex that was highly recruited. I think you're going to see a lot of those guys. I go back to when UTSA played in 2013 against Oklahoma State uh, for the first time in the Alamo Dome. And I remember watching the warm-ups for the game. We were, it was a 11 o'clock kickoff, and we were on the air with our pregame show. And I mentioned watching the guys down the field warm up for Oklahoma State. And their wide receivers were all huge. 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 200-plus, really long arms, really athletic. And I look over at the UTSA wide receivers, and while they were good, they were smaller. They were smaller in stature. They couldn't battle as, as much against average height defensive backs. And one of the things that in the latter years of Larry Coker being here and certainly with uh, the recruiting that, that Frank has done is you're starting to see the size of those, those wide receivers increase coming, coming in. And the UTSA is going to have some big bodies out there to catch passes. The other guy that I really like on this team is one of the little guys, and that's Brady Jones, who is just a Wes Welker type back that uh, or a wide receiver that when it's third and eight, he'll get you 10. When it's third and 12, he'll get you 15. He knows where the down marker is. He knows how to get open. And he's kind of small, so you can throw it low and he'll go down and get it. Uh, and really a great possession receiver for this team as well. Flipping to the defensive side of the ball, one of the big reasons that UTSA was able to go to that first bowl game was on the contributions of another young player who really stepped up and came into the forefront was freshman linebacker Josiah Tawa-Effa. Finished with over 80 tackles, nine tackles for loss, six sacks, one interception, and another pass broken up. 
earned freshman All-American honors at the end of the year. What was it like kind of seeing his rise maybe from spring ball last season to the end of the season when he becomes one of the best players within the conference and the best player on that defense as, as such a young guy? Well, uh, he started off as a defensive end, and in the spring game, he didn't really have that big of uh, a contribution. He was starting to kind of transition between defensive end and and his, his hands on the ground to playing linebacker, and then all of a sudden, with attrition at linebacker, let's see what he can do at linebacker, and he was terrific from day one. Uh, I think he's got a great chance to be a, a defensive player of the year for multiple years. He can cover players out of the backfield. He can rush the passer. He is a terrific player, and barring injury, he'll be in the in the NFL, if not after his third year, certainly after his fourth. And he's kind of the anchor of that defense. The other guy that I think people need to look at is Marcus Davenport, who will be a senior this coming year. And if there's anybody that looks like a Lawrence Taylor, it's him. Now, I'm not comparing him to Lawrence Taylor because you're talking about one of the greatest players ever and somebody that's still in, in F, uh, FC or FBS college uh, in, the, in the Conference USA. But the pro scouts are already drooling over Marcus Davenport, 6'7", 250, runs about a 4'5", and just looks menacing when he's lined up on the end. And he didn't have a great year last year in terms of tackles because he was double teamed on every play. The scouting report was already out before the season began, and they already had to start double teaming him before it, the season began, before every, every, every team scouted him that way. But UTSA has a very young and very deep defensive line. There was one at one time last year, I believe it was in the Middle Tennessee game, where they had four de defensive linemen on the field, and all four were either freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So that talent level is getting to the point to where you're going to have to pick your poison. You want to double Marcus Davenport, somebody on that defensive line is going to be uh, uh, able to get to your running backs or your quarterback. And certainly if you double both of those guys, then Tau F is going to be in the, in the mix as well to – to make some big plays on defense. So other than a few um, depth situations at the safety spot where they're trying to, they may have to move some corners to safety just to bolster the, the secondary a little bit. I think UTSA is going to have as good a defense as there is in the league. With so many contributors back on offense and defense, coming off the first bowl game in program history, got a coach who's really on the rise, and he's he was able to win games in his first season without recruiting really kicking in yet. What's the energy like heading into 2017? Has there been an offseason like this that, that you have seen with a lot uh, so much buzz going into it for UTSA football? Be optimistic because and I, and I think the first two games out of the out of the right off the bat, you're playing Houston and Baylor. Uh, Houston at home and at Baylor. So you're going to know really right off the bat how good you are and where you stack up. And they may or may not win those games. I know that Houston's in a little bit of transition with, you know, Major Applewhite taking over for Tom Herman. And Baylor's a, a total mess right now with all the uh, issues that they have. Who knows who's going to actually be on the field for once the season begins. So uh, you may be getting them at the right time, although it will be a, a home game for, for Baylor. Then after that, the non-conference schedule is su is Southern and FCS school and and Texas State, which finished in the bottom uh, well, bottom 15 or so of of college football last year, and they'll they'll be better. But you would think that UTSA has a great chance in the non-conference season to get going on a on a good uh, a good run. Now, when you get into the league play, tech, uh, UTEP's going to be better, and UTSA and UTEP have gone back and forth 
The winner of that series has never won on at home, and UTSA is on the road this year at UTEP, so they're hoping that trend continues. And the job that Seth Luttrell is doing at North Texas is going to be good. So you're going to we're going to play up there, and that's going to be a a difficult game. You have Rice at home. That's always a good rivalry, but with the with not only the two schools being three hours apart, but their coach David Bailiff used to coach in San Antonio and is from San Antonio. But I think a lot of people have their eyes on the last game of the season, and that's at uh, at Louisiana Tech. And that could very well be for who wins the West and uh, represents the West in the conference championship game if all the cards fall in the right place. They play Marshall and Florida International from the East. They have Marshall at home, and they'll play a Butch Davis coached FIU team uh, in Miami in November. So the schedule is good in the sense that they, uh, they're they going to have a great chance to win a lot of games. And I, I, I think that... The, you know that eight to ten wins is certainly in the in the doability range, if you will, uh, for this team if they uh, can stay healthy, especially a quarterback. Certainly, a lot of great coaching in the conference, and should be fun to watch some of those matchups. Final one, and I'll get you out of here. What should people who aren't fans of Roadrunner football or don't know a lot about UTSA football know about the program in 2017? Well, I think that one of the things that all of the Conference USA schools suffer from is that there aren't really a lot of uh, rivalries within the conference because everybody's so far apart. Um, the Florida schools may have one because they're a couple hours apart. We have the one with Rice and probably North Texas as our biggest rivalry. But when you look at the conference and it stretches from UTEP and all the way up to Old Dominion and Marshall in the east and as far south as Florida, it's really hard to develop regional rivalries that are that far apart, except for the ones that you may have in your own state and that you're recruiting against. Uh, but I, I just think that in, you know, this, the way that college football is now, the power five schools have all the power. And even a team like Central Michigan that was invited to the Cotton Bowl after being undefeated certainly was not invited to play for the national championship in the final four. And I was a guest on a talk show right after the season began when the, the discussion was about going to eight teams. And I said, I'm fine with going to eight teams under one consideration. And that is if a non-Power 5 school goes undefeated, you give them a chance to play with the big boys in that round of a tournament. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, Central Michigan lost to Wisconsin, but not by a lot. And they gave them a really good game. And I think there is a lot of good football played outside of the SEC and the Pac-10 and 12 and the ACC and the Big Ten. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that are going to play in those programs. They're going to be playing on Sunday, and UTSA is certainly in that boat. And it starts with Baylor and Houston, those first two games of the season. And I'm just hoping that more and more people in San Antonio and South Texas kind of latch onto this program. If you're not a Longhorn and you're not an Aggie and you didn't go to some other school out of state, uh, and you live in San Antonio or from San Antonio, this is your team. And hopefully it's an opportunity for everybody to to watch it and enjoy the games. They're a lot of fun, and this is an exciting team, both offensively and defensively, that could easily have a, a very special year if everything falls right for them. Definitely. Certainly a program on the rise. I know I'm excited to watch the Roadrunners from afar and see what they can do, especially in those first two weeks. I want to thank Andy Everett for coming on the show. If you want to find any of his work, you can do so on Twitter 
at AndyEverett760. You can also hear his voice in Roadrunners football and Roadrunners men's basketball. And you can catch him every Saturday morning at 8 Central Time on the Golf Show with Andy Everett on Ticket 760 and Ticket760.com. Andy, thanks for joining the show and talking Roadrunners football. I appreciate it. Got it. Talk to you soon. There it is, the voice of UTSA Roadrunners football, Andy Everett. Want to thank him for joining the show and dropping knowledge on everything UTSA football and the 2017 season. Also, very big thank you to UTSA Associate Athletic Director and Athletics Communications Director Kyle Steffens for setting all of this up. He was gracious enough to email me back when I inquired about getting somebody from the program to talk UTSA football. He didn't have to do that, so thank you, Kyle, very much. Very appreciated, and glad we could talk to Andy and get some knowledge about Roadrunners football. That'll do it for this episode of the Two Stripes Podcast, but don't worry, there is a second one dropping later this week. Not only are we going to talk UTSA football on this episode, but you're going to get a bonus episode on probably Thursday or Friday talking the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's right, folks. We are going to talk everything Alabama, the new offensive staff in place after Lane Kiffin and then subsequently Steve Sarkeesian left the program. I'm going to talk all things Alabama football with Roll Bama Roll and why you should expect the Crimson Tide to not budge a single inch in 2017. Excited for you guys to hear that. Like I said, should be dropping either Thursday or Friday, but expect that later on this week. If you want to go listen to any of the old Two Stripes podcast episodes, though, before that drops or even after that one drops, you can do so by, one, going to soundcloud.com slash twostripespod. You can find everything there. And, two, going to iTunes and searching Two Stripes Podcast. You'll find all the old episodes there, and I encourage you to subscribe and leave a review. And if you do subscribe, that way you won't have to go searching for the Two Stripes podcast. It'll come to you every single time I drop a new episode and we talk about a new team as we get through this college football offseason. Every podcast episode will be right at your fingertips for download, and you'll be able to go back and listen to old ones if you missed any of them. That'll do it for this show, though. Want to thank Andy Everett for joining the show once again to talk UTSA Roadrunners football. And I will be back later this week to talk Alabama football with Roll Bama Roll. Want to thank everybody for listening. My name is Colton Denning, and this has been the Two Stripes Podcast.